Coming to you from ACOG's annual scientific meeting in San Francisco, I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz for ReachMD, and I'm joined by Dr. Tom Gelhaus. He is the president-elect, or I guess in the next 24 hours, to become the president-elect, but at this point I'll call him the president-elect-elect of ACOG, and it's such a pleasure to have you with us, Tom. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here today. So I'd like to learn a little bit more about you coming in as the new president-elect. What is your background? Where do you hail from? What's your practice? I was born in South Dakota, and I went to medical school at the University of Oklahoma. I completed my OBGYN residency at the University of Iowa in Iowa City. Following that, I went into practice for 20 years in Davenport, Iowa, and then I had an urge to go back and get into academic medicine to teach, uh, to be around uh, residents and medical students. And almost five years ago, I made the decision to accept a position at the University of Iowa in Iowa City. What's that been like for you? It's been wonderful. It's been a great change. What I really like about being at the university is each day is different. Perhaps I may do a half day in one of the resident clinics, or I may do the rest of the day in a colposcopy clinic, one full day perhaps in labor and delivery or the operating room with the residents and medical students. So every day is different. Well, coming from one Midwesterner to another, it says a lot to say that one has been happy in any place in the Midwest across all the seasons. <laughs> so it says a lot, I think, that your work has been very fulfilling because from one speaking to another, it can be difficult to weather the storms out there. <laughs> very true. <laughs> very true. Coming in now to your experience with ACOG, how long have you been involved with ACOG? What's your respective roles been? And as we move in on your new position to come, I'm going to be interested in finding out more about the vision that you want to bring to ACOG. But first, tell me a little bit about your background with ACOG. Well, my background in ACOG sort of began accidentally. In 1994, in my practice, one of my senior partners was scheduled to attend what was called, at that time, the Legislative Workshop. And it was our advocacy uh, meeting. And he said, I can't go. Would you fill in for me and, and, and attend? And I said, yes. And... That was the beginning of my career in ACOG. I went to this meeting in Washington, D.C. I learned the legislative issues at the time. I learned how to lobby, and I, and I, I, I lobbied on, on Capitol Hill. I met with my congressman. I met with both senators, and I was hooked. I was hooked in ACOG, and it was the springboard for me to get involved. And, and as I continued to go to the conference, I was asked to become the Iowa section vice chair and then eventually the chair, and then I worked my way through the district. And then eventually I shot for an office at the national level and was able to be assistant secretary for three years. And then the time came for me to consider running for this huge and honoring office that I am going to assume soon. Well, it's a story that I love. And the reason why is because I hear it more often than you might think. Oftentimes with organizations, with societies, those who come into the upper ranks of leadership, you expect to hear stories of, well, you know, it was always part of the game plan. I was moving in from the age of 15. I sort of had a, a vision. I was going to move in and leadership, and that was going to be a springboard for this, and it was just going to be a pattern. And instead, I often hear stories of, actually, I was filling in for somebody. It was, in a way, kind of an accident. I didn't really have initial intentions, but then... Once I got involved, I just couldn't look back. I had to keep going. It's exactly and, true. It was a door opened. I took a chance, and that chance led to another great opportunity. I really never aspired to any of these offices. It was once I achieved one level, then someone would encourage me or mentor me or both to move on to the next office. Moving into the present day, just moving in on becoming the president-elect, you've had several experiences with ACOG. You've sort of been under the wing of several mentors in this area. 
What do you want to bring forward in the years ahead, specifically when you become president and maybe even beyond? I have two areas that have been of great interest to me throughout my career. First, while I was in private practice, my wife and I and our family got interested in medical and surgical mission opportunities. And we joined with a uh, group, again, taking a big chance in 1996 and went on a project in the Dominican Republic. And we continued to do that yearly where we began leading groups and the groups grew larger and larger. And so I have a real desire to increase those opportunities for others. I've done a number of presentations about our mission work, our mission projects to various groups. And always the question is, how can I get involved? And that has been the same thing with ACOG fellows and junior fellows and medical students. They have such huge hearts and they have such a desire to serve others. And one of my goals is to be able to somehow bring those opportunities to these interested people and make it an easier process so that they go with a group that's going to do what their mission statement applies for for them, that they have that opportunity to serve and then hopefully get someone else to serve and it just be a domino effect. The other area that I have always been interested in, and it was the first involvement with ACOG, was in, in advocacy, as I mentioned earlier. And I want to move forward where we have an opportunity for everyone to sort of get all in for advocacy. It cannot really be a choice. It really is our responsibility. And we need to get that message out to our members that we cannot change the things that we don't like in medicine unless we are all there at the table working to make those changes happen. Well, it seems like this is a good time for you to be moving in on that particular initiative because we're only just starting to unveil the mysteries, if you will, of social and digital media, all sorts of opportunities for participation that didn't exist before, and recruitment base for the younger, savvy membership within ACOG, for instance. That's very true. And the wonderful thing is the young people all know how to use this, and I need help. I need help in learning how to use social media better. But we have a great team at ACOG that uh, can help with those kind of messages. Right. And going back to your international volunteerism advocacy or experiences, I mean, these are, in your own case especially, and for many others, we hear a story often, it is a transformative experience for people who have that opportunity. But logistically, I imagine it would be a challenge to try to, on an organizational level, provide the opportunity at the ground level for many people across the country and perhaps beyond to be able to engage in those experiences. We're early on. I mean, you have quite some time before you, you get going, but it always comes up, it creeps up faster than we expect. How do you think, logistically, you might be able to advance that from ACOG's perspective? What we have considered initially is a database that is available to ACOG members on the website of people who are leading groups, people that are involved with various organizations. What I found is I was doing work with people from eastern Iowa when one of my very good friends in Des Moines, Iowa, was doing work in the same country, probably down the block. And what we want to do is to let people communicate together to find out that maybe what we are doing we can put together and make it even bigger and better. But just to have a place on our website where people can find an opportunity and know that that's an opportunity that has worked with ACOG fellows and allow them to develop a relationship and to participate. And what I'm hearing as a common thread between both initiatives then is that there is an aspect of data-driven advocacy, data-driven initiatives, being able to really build a great informational archive through which you could advance a number of initiatives moving forward. It's almost like an initiative to advance more initiatives down the road. 
ushering ACOG into the 21st century. That would be a great achievement if we can make that happen. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you. What is your role as president-elect, for it is a unique role? What does that entail? It's not necessarily simply on the wings waiting just to become the president. There are activities involved in being the president-elect. What do you expect to be doing or handling? The duties of being president-elect is initially probably an educational process for that person. And being at this meeting and the things that I've already done to this point, I feel as though I'm drinking from a fire hose. We have so many issues, so many organizations that we work with that I'm trying to get a lot of the alphabet soup down, so to speak, of the different organizations. One of our duties is to our membership, and we attend many of the district and section meetings representing the college at the national level. We have opportunities to present what is happening at the national level and things that we are trying to do to improve our members' lives and to improve our patient care. So we're able to launch some of our initiatives to bring those initiatives to the district and section members of our organization. In that time, will you be expected to do a lot of work in other parts of the country where meetings are happening? Or I've often used the analogy of getting flown all around on Air Force One <laughs> but, you know, with some of the other executive management. But will you still be able to maintain a steady, consistent presence in your own practice area? I will be still practicing. I will reduce my time that I will be at the University of Iowa. It will be markedly less when I'm president. But I will be balancing my work as well as my duties with ACOG. I will still take call. I'll still be in the operating room. I'll still be delivering babies. And I feel that if I am going to be out there trying to help our members, I think I need to be going through what our members are going through. It's a bit of a silly question, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. Do you have sort of a vision or a dream for where you will be sitting talking to me a year or two years from now, both at the onset of the presidency and afterwards as you're relinquishing to the next line of succession, where you want to be, where you want to be both in regard to the initiatives and in regard to just presence within the ACOG organization? I think in addition to the initiatives, which I hope will take off and be something that will be around for a long time to involve our membership. But most often, I want to be an example to others, and I hope that I can be a role model for other junior fellows, other fellows, other medical students to become involved in an organization because we can't have it without them. We need their involvement. Well, I think that's a perfect parting comment. And with that, I very much want to thank Dr. Tom Gellhouse. He is the new president-elect as of the next 24 hours, in fact of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Again, Tom, it's been so great to have you with us today. Thank you very much for this opportunity. If you've missed any part of this episode or if you want to check out other episodes on ReachMD, visit ReachMD.com. And thanks, as always, for listening.